The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. And we're back. It's Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL bet. We were off last week, mainly because I just wanted to take a break. I just needed a break. So a best of week last week, but we're back. I'm re-energized. Spring football practices start this week. Almost baseball swept away Auburn, the first SEC opening sweep since 2004. Almost basketball got a commitment on Monday, the first of what should be a very busy spring for Kermit Davis and staff. So a lot going on. It's about time to return. It's the right time to return. And what better way to return than a mailbag? And we'll open that up here in just a little bit. But first, Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? Coming off a good, good fresh spring break, ready to get going. This is, um, you know, but yeah, ex- exciting, exciting weekend for almost baseball. You got spring football starting. So we're, um, you know, this is, it's going to, we got some good stuff to talk about. When everybody else was celebrating spring break, including my family, they went to South Carolina, went to the beach, had some fun. I covered seven games. So my break was last week. Even though I kept working, I just wanted to kind of ease off the accelerator a little bit and detox. Good to be back this week because it feels like not just sports-wise with a lot going on, but just in general, when you saw the crowds at Swayze, it's getting back to normal. It was packed this weekend. And I'll be honest with you. Look, I'm one of those that has been super cautious, has been all about listening to the science. Got my first vaccine, first shot last week. But having said all that, man, did it just feel right for Swayze to look like that, to sound like that, and what a relief it was to see Swayze like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's it, I can't wait to get out there. I mean, I, I obviously was out of town this weekend, was hoping to go, but, um, you know, yeah, first series back in Oxford, I can't wait to get out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see that environment, and um, you know, and, and not only for the Ole Miss fans, but for the opposing teams. I know a lot of a lot of people look forward to coming in and playing in that kind of environment. So, um, it's just good to see it see it back rolling. Ole Miss baseball swept away Auburn and found, I think, what's going to be its regular lineup moving forward. T.J. McCanson center field, Calvin Harris serving as the primary designated hitter. Nineteen to eleven on Sunday. They had double-digit hits, runs, and walks. Third time this year they've done that. But with two freshmen, both of which are performing, Calvin Harris was responsible for the only run on Friday night. Did you feel like this weekend was almost getting back on track, especially after losing two straight, the series finale to ULM, 13-1 at Louisiana Tech? Did you feel a little bit better after this weekend? You had to. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think... 
I, I love having Harrison McCants in there. I really do. Um, especially just, just, you know, building for the future as well as, you know, they're, they're good players. I mean, McCants is, I mean, he is smooth, man. He's fast in the outfield. Um, he, he has a really nice swing. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be part of that core going forward, I think. So it's nice to see them in there. And it's, it's nice to see, um, you know, young guys stepping up in big moments and, you know, now it's time. I mean, it's, it's time to, this was, this was a series that actually counted SEC plays when it actually counts. So, um, those guys stepped up and performed on a big stage and, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to keep staying in there until they, until they play their way out. You said they'd be 16 and two going into SEC play. That didn't happen, but they are 16 and four. So not far off. And Doug Nikhazy's coming back this weekend. He'll rejoin the weekend rotation before he got hurt. A pectoral strain, chest discomfort before he got hurt. Mike Bianco had already made the decision to flip him and Gunnar Hoagland. Gunnar's just on another level right now. It's not a shot, not a demotion at all for Doug Nikhazy. He's still Doug Nikhazy, all-league caliber guy. But Gunnar Hoagland is stepping into that next tier, that all-time great tier with the Pomeranzes and Lance Lins and that group. That's how well he's pitching right now. He was dominant against Auburn, and um, he's going to be the Friday night guy moving forward. It bumps Drew McDaniel out of the weekend rotation. He was really good. Really good and very <laughs> promising for the future. And if Derek Diamond, who was really good on Sunday, his first good start since opening weekend against Texas, if he's bad from here on out, if he has a couple of runs of bad starts, Drew McDaniel's going to start on Sundays. It's good to get that depth. They need that depth in the bullpen because the bullpen has been a little vulnerable lately. Max Chofi could be back this weekend for Alabama. They need him back. But Drew McDaniel getting bumped from the weekend rotation, not only does it boost the midweek starter, he goes back to being that primary guy, but also the bullpen. He can provide you long relief, bump other guys down like Austin Miller and Jackson Kimbrell, who've been pitching way too much, and Taylor Broadway, all those guys. It very much feels like they're in that place where they've turned the corner, they look like how we thought they would look, and now all the pieces are starting to fall into place. Offensively, we always thought they'd be good, and they weren't. And now you're starting to see what we thought we were going to see at the beginning of the year. And it's credit to Mike Bianco, because Mike Bianco tried pretty much everything up until this point, not until Saturday and Sunday. I could be wrong here, but I don't think I am because I went back and looked at it. Saturday and Sunday was the first time back-to-back days that he had the same lineup. He tried anything and everything. He wanted to see the right mix because last year, yeah, they were 16-1, and but there was still a lot you didn't know about this team coming into the year based on strictly small samples. So he had to see it, had to get the right mix, and he might have found that. And if he did, yeah, Ole Miss is going to be a national title contender like we thought they would. But the pieces starting to fall into place. And now you go to Alabama, you need to win this series because then the gauntlet comes up where you're going to be going against Mississippi State, Florida. It's a really tough stretch after this. You need to win this series. But what a perfect time then to get everybody back. Yeah, absolutely agree, man. And Gunnar Hoagland, man, oh, my goodness. He can sling it now. I mean, he is he is impressive. And, and it's, it's one thing that is reassuring is, you know, I, I think the Sunday situation with um, Diamond and McDaniel um, – I mean that we, we have four quality starters. I mean we really do. We have four um, starters. We we have a starter that's not even be starting on the weekend that was able to step in and win a couple of games um, on Saturday. So that's that's a good problem to have. I think that um, I think that could potentially bring the best out of Derek Diamond. I mean you got to he's got to know that. Listen, if I struggle, that that there's no. I mean we're a national championship type of team. There's no way that that you're going to have time to play out of it. I mean you're going to get a couple starts. Uh, you have a few bad starts, you can end up out of the rotation. So I think it's going to bring the best out of him. Um, it, it, it is nice to see to see the boys get going, man. I mean the the bat the bats are looking better. Um, got quite a few guys, you know, hitting over 300 with a couple more um, sniffing it. So um, and John Rice Plumley Plumley is hitting over 300. So it's only been 10 at bats, but he is over 300. So no, he's yeah, not. He's a 286. Um, well, is he 286? Yeah. Three for eleven. He has an OPS over nine hundred, though. So good for him. <laughs> I love when he got that hit. I was so hyped. I was like, "Man, he's going to three hundred. He must. He must have got out another time." Because I was paying close attention to that. Um, I, I love stats and stuff, so I look up all the stats and keep up with everybody's stats. So, um, dang, I thought he was hitting three hundred. I was hyped. Here's my thing. No disrespect to John Rice Plumley, but the obsession with this kid is getting kind of strange, man. The catch to end the game on Saturday, I think it was. It was a good running catch. But you would think that he did the whole over-the-shoulder Willie Mays catch or whatever. By the way, the message boards reacted. The way the game was called on the radio. As if he'd accomplished some miracle catch. 
And then he gets a hit, and God, everyone's just obsessed again. He's a good complimentary player, bench player for Ole Miss baseball. Obviously, his impact, his future, is on the football field. So, yeah, it's a fun story, but the obsession here, it's strange for me, especially when you got other guys like TJ McCants who are far more interesting and impactful for now than John Rice Plumley is. And again, it's no disrespect to John Rice Plumley. I may be, and Chase admitted this to Chase Parm when we did the crossover podcast. I have played that up a little bit just to mess with some people. So I take some blame for that. I accept that. Blame me for a little bit of it. But come on, we got to calm down a little bit. A little bit. The guys we should be talking about the most are Kevin Graham, who's hitting almost 400 at this point. Tim Elko, he continues to hit. Hayden Dunhurst has an own base percentage. Over 500. My man is walking and hitting, providing all the value. Those guys are supposed to be doing that. They're they're baseball players. They're highly recruited baseball but players. But TJ McCann. Is- Stop it. Let's not let's not start here. We're back together, man. It feels <laughs> so good to be reunited. Let's not start in that place. It's time to open the modern women mailbag. We got a lot of questions. I'm sure there's gonna be a John Rice Plumley question in there somewhere. Spring football practices open today as you're listening to this podcast. The first spring under Lane Kiffin. This is what you've been waiting for, man. Yeah, I, I think I saw something where we're potentially going to be to go, you know, watch some scrimmages or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, I love his comments saying that it's, um, you know, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. So, I mean, old saying, but I always said that is, um, yeah, it's a good model to have in the springs about guys getting better and, um, you know, just say everybody picking up, kind of figuring out what, what guys you have and, um, you know, who's going to step up and who's going to be ready. I'm I, I'm excited. Can't wait to go over there, peek in at some point and see how some of those freshmen are, um, you know, especially some of those early enrollees, how they're, how they're, they're getting um, up to speed and how they're handling it. And I bet they're, you know, deep down, they're like, holy crap, you know, it's a whole different level. So, um, yeah, this exciting time for them. You know why we're getting to go for a couple of practices, right? I don't know. What do you think? Why? It's a dead period in recruiting. The only way recruits can come visit is if they open practice. But if you open practice, it has to be open to the public because it's a dead period. So now recruits can come with the public because it's open to the public. Well, if you open it to the public, you can't shut the media out. The only reason any of us, fans and media, are being allowed to go view any practice whatsoever is for recruiting. Not knocking it at all. It's a brilliant strategy. It's the only strategy. It's what they should be doing. But let's not pretend like we're getting any kind of a handout here. I am intrigued to see it in person. I have not experienced a Lane Kiffin coached team in a game or practice in person yet. I didn't go to a game last year. What was I going to do? Go sit in the press box and then do the exact same thing I would have done at home? So this will be great for me too. I'm excited to actually go out there. I'm not going to pretend to be some talent evaluator. I'm going to stand by you and let you tell me what I'm watching. Let you tell me what to be looking (laughs) for. Because for you, there are some positions in particular that you're going to be looking towards, right? For sure. I want to see what what the O-line's going to look like. That's always where I start. And then, um, yeah, I really, really, I think O-line, D-line are are my my two biggest. O-line, D-line, and wide receiver. I mean, that's that's where everybody's eyes should be. That's that's where the – you know that that's where the the biggest maybe some tight end as well, but that's where the um where the biggest um you know that those areas have to be shored up for us to get to where we think we're gonna go. Um, you know, I want to see who steps up wide receiver. I want to see our D line actually getting somewhat to the quarterback. Um, that'd be nice for a change, and um, you know, see some tight ends out there, and then see see how the <clears throat> the young guy looks, or see if we really actually need to go out and find somebody. It's gonna be fun. A very busy time right now in Ole Miss sports. It's nice. It's nice to feel a little bit more like normal. It's been a long time coming. We'll be out there for spring football practices. I'll be at the baseball games, covering basketball recruiting, a commitment on Monday. We'll get into that. So it's time to open the Modern Woman mailbag. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. We're going to hear now from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. 
Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. Here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. Opening up the Modern Woman mailbag here on Talk of Champions, I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sell. First question for Will Spots at Will underscore Spots. With the additions to the football defense and another full season for a second season coaching staff, what are the realistic expectations for this team? Well, I, w- I would say, um, you know, they, they have to show improvement. I mean, great improvement. I mean, you got that they, they've added some decent defensive pieces on the D line. You know, so, so I guess uh, apparently the two top Juco guys, you got a good freshman coming in. You got, you know, some returners um, that decided to come back and, and, and exercise their, their last year. So um, they should be a little farther along, along in the scheme. And um, I mean, I think realistically they have to be, you know, right there in that, that middle of the tier. Um, you know, you can't be D- DFL, man. You can't be, you can't be dead last this year. You, you want to see some stops. You want to see some games that actually look like an SEC defense. I mean, there was games this past year where, I mean, you, you just knew the other team was going to score or they're, they're putting up ridiculous rusting stats, ridiculous passing stats. I mean, nobody's, nobody's expecting this defense to come out and be dominant. I, I don't think we have that, that kind of personnel, but I mean, much improved. If, if our defense is, is only half, halfway better from where it was last year, I, 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 I think it'd be tough for us to even lose a game because we're going to be because I think we're going to be that good on offense. This is a question from me. Ole Miss retained its head coach and both of its coordinators, assistant coaches. When there is a change, is that a question mark at all, or is that kind of overblown? Yeah, it's much more. It's much crazier when the when the coordinators change. When it's an assistant coach, they're they'll have different techniques. Sometimes it could benefit the guys. I mean, it could be a, a guy that maybe teaches a you know a certain player something that the other assistant didn't, or maybe it's a guy that comes in and he doesn't really see eye to eye with one of the players that was better last year. It works both ways, but um, the assistants for the most part do exactly what the coordinators tell them to do. Um, they, they, there's a there's a way that, that that they want it coached. That's why it's usually a guy that the coordinator's familiar with and has a history with. So um <clears throat> as long as the coordinators are back, I I feel I feel good about it. Um, you know, a lot of times the coach is, you know, he more or less deals with his room, but he's you know the overall scheme of what they're asking you to do should be relatively similar. Um, maybe some technical stuff. But yeah, for the most part it, it's that the assistant coach isn't going to make or break the or overall change anything. It's March 23rd, the very first spring practice. What is the record prediction today? It's going to be changing. So put on record your very first record prediction on March 23rd. Um, I got us winning nine games. I think nine games is a, is a really realistic expectation. Um, you know, it, it would take a, an unbelievable effort to get to get more than that. It would it would take us, you know, and you know, you just and it's hard to predict right now because you don't know what Alabama's going to look like. You don't know who that surprise team's going to be. Maybe 
Arkansas comes out and they're really freaking good this year, or maybe, you know, there's a couple teams that are bad that weren't supposed to be bad. I mean, nobody really, I mean, I guess you thought LSU was going to not be as good, but, but nobody thought they were going to be, you know, that down. And you, you just don't know. I mean, it, it, I'll be able to tell you more after I see a couple teams for the first couple of weeks. So, um, you know, is state going to be better? Who knows? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, usually Leach's teams a second year are pretty darn good. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's hard to tell right now, but I think just from, from what we did last year, if we <clears throat> are the same or maybe get a little better, I mean, we were 18, eight win team last year. We just didn't have the non-conference games to go with it. So, um, I think, I think not, I, I can see us right there at nine wins. And if, if we have some stuff go our way, um, I mean, there's no reason not to think it could be better. I think this team has a very high floor at worst. They're going to win six games. Yeah. I, no, no doubt. If, if they if they lost less, I mean, if they won less than six, I would be I'd be shocked. HB at Hunter C Bay's ten. Have you heard what the plan is on the football facility and work being done at the vault? The vault, it's mostly sweet stuff. I think the biggest thing they're working on football wise right now is improvements to the Manning Center. Generally, the overall aesthetic of it. There's some things that could be done to the weight room, to the locker room, graphics on the walls, just modernizing it because it's kind of gotten a little dated because I think there hasn't been any real significant improvement outside of the training table, the grill at 1810 in a long time. So I think that's the biggest project football wise that they're working on. Have you been over there lately? So when I left, I didn't come back. I didn't go into the actual locker room until probably I would say 2000 probably took me four or five years and it was completely different when I came back. So, um, which it looked way better than when we were there. Um, so I can't, uh, I, that'll be exciting to see them update. I haven't spent much time over there. Um, you know, since I've mean, probably been there another four years. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what all they do in there. I mean, it already looked really good whenever, um, I came back. So I'm sure, I mean, but, Here's the thing with the facility thing. I mean, p- teams are putting so much money into this because it's yeah. about the. School. I mean, it just is what it is. You know, I mean, that's it. You have yeah. to you have to keep up with the times, even if it's overborn and overblown and a waste of money. Um, you have to. I mean, it's it's literally what what turned Oregon around is the uniforms and the crazy facility. I mean, they it, it has nothing to do that they didn't suddenly become this big powerhouse program. They just put a lot of money into the aesthetics. You have to continuously be improving your facilities. That's one of the most important things. I think from this point forward, always be allocating money for facilities upgrades to football. Because let's be honest here, baseball, basketball, any other sport, they all take a back seat to football. Football is the cash cow. So you've got to be pouring the right money into that. And the only way to pour the right money into that is putting it into facilities. Blue-collared, comma, hard-nosed at hard-nosed 15. Is there any changes or adjustments you'd make to the lineup, pitching rotation, or bullpen? And in what areas do you think this team can really improve on? Not anymore. I wanted to see TJ McCants in the starting lineup. And I've been talking to my buddy Colin Brister about this through text message. We both wanted TJ McCants in center field, and we got that. I wanted Calvin Harris to be the DH. I got that. So now there's nothing that I would change. I wouldn't throw Logan Savelle ever again, even in a game you're winning 14 to nothing, or Luke Baker. They're not ready. <laughs> They're not ready. You shouldn't have had to use Josh Mallets. And now on this Tuesday, I don't know if the announced starter has been made. Josh Mallets could still start, but he wasn't supposed to pitch on Sunday. And Mike Bianco had to throw him because those two guys couldn't protect a 14-run lead. Auburn had a nine-run eighth inning. <laughs> I mean... That's absurd. So the only thing I would change, and it has nothing to do with current personnel, is just get healthy. That's it. Because then Doug Nikhazy slots into Saturday. Drew McDaniel, who's been really good, can wear any number of hats. He can be a long, multi-inning guy out of the pen. He can be a midweek starter. Everybody gets knocked down a notch. Tyler Myers, who's been really good. A great story in returning from Tommy John. Remember how good he was two years ago? He's been a great story. Austin Miller is who he is. There's going to be times where he drives you insane, but for the most part, he's a really solid reliever if he's not your primary reliever or number two or three option. So getting Chofi back and deepening that bullpen with him and McDaniel, that's what I would change. But otherwise, 
No, I, I think it's exactly what it needs to be now. I didn't like Justin Bench hitting one or two, and now he's not. So I'm good. After this weekend, after those last two games, I'm good. Because my changes, what I would have done, happened. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think I think we're starting to sell into our lineup. Um, yeah, I, I, I do worry about them rushing Doug back. Um, I, I kind of had thoughts about, you know, with us being so deep on the weekend, maybe maybe throwing him in a, in a midweek game. I know it sounds crazy, but, um, maybe rolling him out there and letting him get a, uh, you know, you know, they do an MLB or whatever. They put him down to triple a, we'll let him get a, get a easy start in there and see how he responds. And you don't want to want him to go out there and get hurt for, for the long haul. So, um, that's the only thing I worry about is the pitching rotation, how he's going to handle all that. And, you know, don't want to, don't want to rush him back. So I know that that injury can get pretty bad. So, um, yeah, for the most part, man, McCant's got to be in there. And no matter what, I think he's he's in there for the rest of the year. And then, um, you yeah, know, Calvin Harris, he's got a sweet swing, too. I'm always excited to see him in there. Nikhazy's been throwing bullpen sessions and short sessions for two weeks now, and he's not felt any discomfort his last couple of times out. So that's stretching him out. That's getting him ready. It's not like they're rushing him back. They've been observing him, and he threw 50 feet off a mound in his last short session on Sunday. And then he's supposed to throw a bullpen on Tuesday just to make sure, but he's fine. He's feeling fine. You're a yeah, warrior. But, no, but the, listen, because it's because I've been in games before. I know how it is. There, there's a, there's a big difference between okay, I can go out there and practice, and when everything's controlled, and and go out there and you know do a couple of things, move around real easy. But then when you go out there and the, it's a game speed, game mindset, game adrenaline. Well, that's when that's when things start feeling kind of different. I mean, you you go out there and you're trying to let it loose your adrenaline's rolling and you and you rip that, that you know rip something in your damn chest it's it could be a good could, could get you out for the year so hopefully hopefully they're not rushing him back and he's um he's ready to go check out debbie downer over here we got eeyore from winnie the pooh over here golly yeah. man the first SEC just, opening just sweep that's played in a, a lot of games I know, I know the difference in in rehab versus um game action I know the difference between rehab and game action. Oh, my God. First SEC opening sweep since 2004, and here he is, Eeyore, Debbie Downer. Jody <laughs> Kitchens at J Kitchens 1810. What is the one thing each of you will be most excited to get to do, excluding anything Ole Miss-related, once life returns to, quote, normal? I don't know, man. I mean, I've been doing pretty much exactly what I do. I mean, I'm do stuff with the kids and play a little golf but i mean there's really i would go out to eat too i mean i don't know i mean i pretty much stay kept it normal i mean i'd like to you know go into a bigger setting and you know actually shake someone's hand how how, how about how awkward that the handshake to fist bump kind of like you don't know if someone's going to shake your hand or fist that's that's got to stop i mean how many people have shook a, a shook a fist bump i mean <laughs> it's just brutal i can't wait to shake someone's hand actually I've never been a handshaker, so I'm good with the fist bump. Handshake feels very formal for me. I would not shake your hand if I saw you tomorrow. Yeah, but I mean, you, you, a lot of people well, a lot of people do it, but you got the people who are kind of on the edge. They kind of do the fist bump, and they put out the hand, and you got someone doing a fist bump, and the hand, fist bump, hand. No, I've been just, there. I've been there. I know what you're saying. It just, it's awful. It just gets awkward. It just gets bad. Yeah. <laughs> I like to make people feel as awkward as possible. So next time I see you, I'll probably just run up and hug you or something just to make you feel awkward in front of well, God hug, and everybody. This hug's easier. You know, you know how to do a hug. You can't awkwardly do a hug, but the whole people that are you know weird with the handshake is that's fun. Or, or the elbow. You got to shake their hand. They hit you with the elbow. The I mean, elbow just, is <laughs> the weirdest one, right? Because I'm ready to fist bump, and then you throw an elbow, and now I'm like, oh, okay, okay. all right. Yeah. You just dab back at him. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to taking my family to Disney World. We're planning a trip, I think, for November. Yeah, it's during football season, but I don't care. I told him I'd take him to Disney World once things return to normal. That's what I plan to do. Justin Bush, at Bush Justin D, what's the most misled you have felt after buying something? Recently for me, I bought a bottle of Carolina whiskey, and it turns out it was made in Canada. Ooh, most misled after buying something. Oh, okay. So yeah, I purchased a swimming pool and um, <laughs> I purchased a swimming pool and ended up having to tear the whole thing out. And luckily one of our, um, I think he's a, he's a member on the board. Um, Oscar Reb is, is building me a new one. So I think I was about as misled as it comes when it comes to that. So 
um yeah we got got one of our fellow spirit board members build me a new pool so um, hopefully he, hopefully he delivers the product better and i helped you I did helped. what did everyone to know What's what, what's funny is me and so when, when Lance and I discuss um, you know the pool we talk about the pool real fast and we immediately start talking about football or baseball or something else because the pool's boring it's like okay man what are you gonna do here okay cool <laughs> how about the Ole Miss baseball team so we we talk about the pool just for a second just to make sure everything's good and then we go we go straight into sports talk so yeah he's been been great so far I felt the most misled and had nothing to do with the person selling this it was all me but I felt most misled when I bought a PS5 because I bought it way above retail price because I was just ready to have one. I wanted to play NBA 2K and I was under the illusion that the experience on PS5 with 2K was much different in my career than with the PS4. And it is, but the immersion isn't to the extent that I wanted it to be and I really haven't played anything else. I've got Spider-Man and started it but there's no other games for me right now. So if anybody's got any game recommendations, please shoot it my way. Because right now I am staring at a really bad decision every single day. I am staring at a tremendous regret every single day. Not that I didn't want one, because I did. I was going to buy one eventually. But impulsively, I was just having to have a PS5 because my brain's broken. And I went out and did it and paid way more than I should have. And I haven't even played the thing. I don't have anything to play. I could say my Peloton, but that's just my own laziness. The first thing you said, you play Spider-Man on PS5. I mean, yeah, badass. my kid, my kid is too. And he loves Spider-Man. He even does. I do too. So that's just, it's a wide range. How many people like Spider-Man? I guess. Okay. First of all, hey. you know what television show I'm right, watching right now? Spider-Man, the animated series on Disney plus. It was my favorite cartoon growing up. So, <laughs> Yeah, hate all you want. I love Spider-Man. I could talk all day about Spider-Man and his catalog of awesome story arcs and villains, including one of my favorites, Kurt Connors. We could talk about this all day. So hate all you want, but your son is cooler than you are. (laughs) These are the people that are reporting in sports. I love it. (laughs) I mean, I could talk sports all day. It's sports and this stuff. What else do I got? Oh, yeah, I've got kids and a wife. Um, Evan O, <laughs> at Evan L-M-N-O-P, what is the longest bomb you have personally seen hit at Swayze? I was in left field last Sunday when Elko blasted one in the parking lot against ULM. Elko's home run over the batter's eye, I think, last year. That was the longest I'd seen a home run in Swayze in person. He absolutely shit all over that ball. Pardon the language, but there's no other way to describe it. He shit can that ball. And that's the first time I saw a home run at Swayze and went, oh my God. The first the, the first ones that come to my mind, well, I got three. Um, I don't know if it's just because the way the swing looks, but um, it had to be one of the Matt Snyder home runs. Thomas Diller hit some pretty good bombs too. And then the Austin Anderson, the one, the one on the Auburn game where they try to pitch it out. I mean, he smoked. That was a no doubter. So probably wasn't the longest, but it was, um, you know, it was a good looking swing. Some of those Matt Snyder home runs and, and, and Dillard home runs were, were, oof, those were crazy. Matt Snyder, Thomas Dillard, Matt Smith all hit piss rockets. They oh, destroyed yeah. baseballs. But Tim Elko's in person. That one was insane. Antonio Batista at PD underscore Batista. Do you think there's any chance left to land Brandon Huntley Hatfield? Where does that stand and why? I really don't think Ole Miss is going to get him. Ole Miss led for a long time. Ole Miss does not have the recruiting infrastructure to finish those kind of recruiting battles out and is always at a threat of losing him or prospects like him to other schools like, for example, in this case, Tennessee, that do have the recruiting infrastructure in place. I think right now, Tennessee is the clear favorite to land him. It's unfortunate, but welcome to Ole Miss basketball recruiting. Beham Ole Miss Club at Beham Rebel Club. What positions do we need to fill for basketball? Do you see any changes Kermit's recruiting philosophy? I'm going to jump right back to Bradley Sal, this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, after I tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Another proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, 
you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call. 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue. Just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. The transfer market is where all teams are going to be the busiest. Now, Ole Miss did land on Monday a 2021 high school power forward that was formerly committed to Louisville, and I don't dare to try to pronounce his name because I'll totally butcher it, but it was a good addition. Still, the recruiting philosophy has to be attacking that transfer portal because over 500 players have already entered the portal. This time last year, it was 300 or so. The portal is where all the action is going to happen. A tremendous amount of really good players. Ty Fagan, for example, Ole Miss recruited Ty Fagan. He played a lot for Georgia, and he's in the portal. The forward from North Carolina, he's in the portal. You have productive players at high major schools transferring out. So for everyone out there that was going, what is going on with Ole Miss basketball? Welcome to the new normal in college basketball. So many guys are transferring because effectively college basketball free agency is here, and I'm here for it. I'm all about freedom of movement for college athletes. So I'm for it, but it's a mess. So the recruiting philosophy has to be attacking the transfer portal. So yes, while Ole Miss added a high school player on Monday, Kermit said after the NIT loss, he's got to go into the portal and land three all-SEC caliber guys. That is a very lofty checklist. So effectively, three Romello Whites, But as far as positions, definitely a point guard, definitely a forward, if that forward position wasn't filled on Monday, and then a big to replace Romello White. Now, I've heard that Hadeem C wants to come back, but I don't know if I buy that all that much. At what point do you think that the transfer and stuff ruins the game? I mean, I I agree the moving around thing is – I agree with the freedom, but, I mean, it's just wild. I mean, you're you're, going to be switching the – Switching the teams, you just don't. You know how when we were going to watching basketball, you would get your recruiting class, you'd start following these guys, and you get three or four years of following them, you know, enjoying them, becoming a fan of them, watching them develop. And now it's, just, I mean, I feel like it's just hard to follow along. I mean, you just go out there and you don't know, you know, it's just, it's just a jersey at that point. You know, it's just they're they're bringing guys in left and right. Well, it's college basketball. Know. It's a different sport. It's not football. It's not baseball. Even basketball is different. I don't think it's ruining the game at all. It's a headache if you're a fan to follow. My advice would be to just tune out and then tune back in when it's time come preseason and see what the roster looks like. If you're trying to pay attention to it on a day-to-day level, then it's going to be incredibly frustrating. But if you're not watching the product now, you're probably not a fan, period. Because in my opinion, what's dragging the game down is officiating. That's what's really making the product not aesthetically pleasing to watch. The market being oversaturated, talking about the transfer market, that's not the problem for me. I hurt for those kids that get into the portal thinking that their opportunity is going to be elsewhere when they're going to be left without a seat at the table. That's what I'm concerned about. But if you're Ole Miss, there are so many options for you to quickly improve your team. In Arkansas, they did this. They rostered this year six transfers. Six. Where are they? They're in the Sweet 16. So you can overturn your entire roster and quickly be really good, and you never had that opportunity before. I remember Andy Kennedy oftentimes would just lament not having free agency. He said, I'm stuck with the team that I have. I can't just go to the waiver wire and add somebody. I can't go into the offseason to free agency. Well, now you can. You can do that now. Andy Kennedy won 20 games at UAB, and five kids have entered the portal. This is now what's going to be like. And I don't blame fans for being not so enamored with it but if you're an Ole Miss a Kermit Davis this is exactly what you want it might be a headache in the spring but this is exactly what you want because now fans and schools they only give you a couple of years they only give you three to five years mostly three there's no patience anymore so you can't in one breath 
as a fan being patient, and then in the other breath, hate the transfer portal. Because if you want Ole Miss to win, well, this is the quickest avenue to doing that, to winning quickly, to the turnaround. But you have to succeed in the market. That's the hardest thing about it. Do you have a good success rate? If you think that Robert Allen is a good depth piece for an SEC team, then Ole Miss went two for three last year. But if you're one of those that are not particularly enamored with a Robert Allen, then Ole Miss went one for three. That success rate, that ain't going to cut it. Kermit said he has to get three all-SEC caliber guys. It depends on the success rate. But if you hit, you can be good and turn it around really fast. Beham Ole Miss Club at Beham Rebel Club. How does Ole Miss basketball recruiting infrastructure compared to other SEC West schools last? And it's not close. <laughs> dead last in the West. Probably dead last in the SEC. And you're saying, wait, what about Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt's got connections through AAU with Jerry Stackhouse. Ole Miss is dead last in the West for sure. Probably dead last in the SEC. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. How do we give up nine runs in the eighth? Well, two pitchers that normally wouldn't pitch, pitched, and got hit hard. It gave me Atlanta Braves 2019 NLDS and 2020 NLCS flashbacks. You got to throw those guys. You don't want to continuously rely on the same dudes over and over. A Luke Baker, a Logan Savelle should be able to come into a game like that and protect the lead. With Chofi, Nikhazy coming back, and Drew McDaniel going to the bullpen, knocking everybody down a peg, well, maybe then... Braden Forsythe is throwing in that game instead of Logan Savelle. Now, Braden Forsythe has been getting hit hard, but I think Braden Forsythe, even if he got a couple of runs scored on, isn't going to give up nine in one inning. Getting that depth rebuilt will be important. Justin Bush at Bush, Justin D. Why is Hoagland so much better on Fridays instead of Saturdays? That's not true. He was just as good on Saturdays as he was on Fridays. This started last year on Saturdays. He has double-digit strikeouts in four or five starts. He's only made two starts on Fridays. Has nothing to do with the day. His stats speak for themselves. I mean, he is, the, the dude is electric, man. I mean, he's he's a couple dominant starts away from getting in the conversation. One of the best all time here. I mean, he's, he's right there with Lance Lynn and, and Paul Moran's if he keeps this up. Justin Bush has a lot of questions for us. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. Is Luke Jackson the best player in baseball? And it isn't particularly close. Luke Jackson is the most frustrating reliever for the Braves that we all like to make fun of. That's a joke. And it's a good one because Luke Jackson, I can't believe we're going into another year where we have to live through Luke Jackson relief opportunities. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. What is the best city in the South excluding Oxford? Uh, Best city in the South. Um, I'm a Texas guy. I don't know if you consider that the South. I like, I like North Houston. I like the Woodlands area. Um, I spend a lot of time out there. So we, where we usually go whenever we have some off time where we used to live. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it was hard to move from there and it's, it's hard not to want to move back there. There are three places for me. One, Savannah, Georgia. Two, Nashville. I love Nashville. And three, Louisville. I love Texas in general. I mean, I think that, um, you know, you got Austin, you got a you got so much cool stuff there. I mean, there's just a lot to do, and it's uh, – um, I, I just – I don't know. I enjoy it. I really do. Man, there's no state tax, so it's a huge plus. Uh, yeah. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. Burn the Ole Miss gray baseball jerseys. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. And apparently you can do that to the football fans now too. We got, we're white now, baby. We got the white pants. I like the white pants. I do too. I don't. I don't mind it. I I, I give it up on the whole like Ole Miss uniform thing. Like just freaking win. I don't care if you wear pink. Go out there and win. Those gray pants, though, that's a point of contention in the Ole Miss fan base. It's a classic oh, to a lot of people. Gray with the red and blue stripe, and I get it. But I think the white pops. Personally, give me powder blue. Everything. I'm good with it. I don't really care. I'd rather just cover teams that win. And Ole Miss, the colors, how you match them up. They're all going to look good for the most part. But the gray, we can all agree, sucks. It sucks. So, yes, get rid of those. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. Thoughts on the Falcon and Winter Soldier after the first episode. I loved it. It had the classic opening Marvel fight sequence. And then it had the grittier moments. Reminded me a lot of Daredevil on Netflix in the way that it handled character and plot development. I liked how different it was from WandaVision. I want all of these shows to be drastically different from one another. 
I dig it. And I know Brad was tuned in first episode. He was fired up. He was texting me during it saying, man, can you believe it? Look at the Falcon. Look at Red Wing, man. Red Wing looks awesome. The Winter Soldier. How is Bucky going to handle this, man? I know that you were just tuned in and crazy into it. Uh, initially, when you said Falcon, I thought you were going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and a draft Elijah Moore or somebody like that, but you had no clue what you're talking about. Who drafts Kyle Pitts? Um, let's see. Well, if the Eagles trade hurt, um, hurts or whatever, um, that could be a possibility. It's not going to be the Chiefs. Um, man, I tell you what, the Bear, the Bears could be. Oh no, they got Cole Komet last year. It's going to be somebody that actually uses them, and there, there's only a, a few offenses that absolutely feed the the tight end. Maybe the um, maybe the Colts. I say the Colts. That, that's probably a good option. They that they, they need they're they're the, they're the Chiefs' offense, just like the um, Eagles and Bears and a couple others. So they 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 need like a dominant tight end to make their offense flow. Let me throw something at you. It's the tenth pick, Caleb Farley. He's having surgery. He's going to fall down the board. Patrick Sertain, somebody comes up and gets him at eight or nine. If you're the Cowboys, even though you have a lot of needs on defense, Keanu Neal was a great signing. They need to do more. You don't want to reach just for need in the draft. I don't care what anybody says. You just draft the best player available because talent is talent, and you make it work. If he's there for the Cowboys and you're the general manager, are you taking him? Um, do the Cowboys have... Do they have both their tackles coming back this year? Yes. That's huge for them. And um, I just think I, I just think defense really. I mean, the Cowboys really need a pass rusher. I, I think that that's going to be an obvious um, need for them this year. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just all depends on their mindset. I mean, I, it's certainly it's certainly. But it is Jarwin's pretty good though. Blake Jarwin's coming off an injury. Dalton Schultz was really good stepping in for him. He's a former late round pick. I'm all about drafting best available. I agree with you. I think that they just have too many needs on defense. You need to draft the best defensive player available. But I'm also, it goes against my philosophy. But again, I'm not a general manager. I'm not somebody that's in those draft rooms. And if I was, I would have drafted Johnny Manziel over Zach Martin. So take whatever I say with a complete grain of salt. It doesn't matter. It would be so hard to pass on Kyle Pitts. And I feel like he's going to have a fall like Patrick Willis and a team like the 49ers is going to get him, and he's going to be every bit as good as everyone thought he was going to be, and everybody's going to go, why in the world did he go 11th or 12th or whatever it is? Because this was the best player in the draft. Yeah, but I, I think if you look at Kyle, if you look at Pitts, uh, I mean, he, he did the year before. I mean, one thing that could potentially hurt him is he, he had one great season, but other than that, I mean, I think the year before was pretty average. Correct, or, or am I wrong on that? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that he... Um, yeah, you know, that that could potentially hurt him. They're they're going to think, you know, did he, is he just a one year guy? So, yeah, I mean, he he's going to certainly go high, but I don't know about the top ten, man. That's that's a stretch for a tight end. Tight end in general. I mean, that's just not a that's a position where they can they can go find a guy. It's become like running back devalued to where, yeah, he's probably a top ten talent, but because yeah. of the position that he plays, he falls. Yeah, I get that. Tucker Italiano at Tucker Italiano is adding more and more dual sport guys actually beneficial for both teams and players. I think so, but I don't buy too much into spring football. So just because John Rice Plumley is playing baseball in the spring doesn't really mean he's missing all that much. Yeah, you would say, wait, he's going to be moving to wide receiver. Well, yeah, he could get just as much action in the summer running routes and stuff. And then in the preseason in August, as he would get in spring football practices, I think spring football practices for the most part are overblown for skill players. It's the most important for quarterbacks and the offensive and defensive lines. Those are the ones that get the most out of spring, but a wide receiver, that's the easiest spot to make an impact. If you're a newcomer or you're switching positions, it depends, I guess, on a case by case basis, Jerry on Ely, it really hasn't factored because he got hurt this year. So he's not playing baseball. I could understand if it was taken away from him, but it didn't take away from him having a dynamic year as a sophomore, as a running back. For baseball, they'll take any player like that because for them, they're free. You're not going to get a walk-on as good as those guys. So if you're getting those guys for free, yeah, you'll take it all day. Football would probably be the sport that has the complaint, but Ole Miss hadn't really been hurting anyway. Tywon Malone would probably be the most fascinating of all those guys. Because John Rice, I think he'll be fine. 
also depends on if he's here next year. I'm not trying to stoke any fire. I don't know. I have no clue. We haven't talked to him about it since January, but he did say he was going to put off any decision, if there even is a decision, which at this point I completely doubt that there ever is. I think he's staying at Ole Miss. But if there is a decision, he was going to put it off until June. So it could be a moot point to begin with. Baseball-wise, you're losing fall ball. Ask any of the coaches. They don't really put much stock in fall ball stats. And then in football, I think of all of the preparation going into the season. Spring football is the least consequential. Um, I mean, no, you're right and wrong on both. I mean, I think that um, football is certainly important. Spring football is important, but um, it's it's not the make or break. I mean, it's it, it's a chance for people to get better, but – um, yeah, I think a guy like Plumley, if he's if he misses a spring, it's not gonna gonna hold him back. I mean, he's still fast, and that's that's the most important thing. He's a great athlete. He's still fast, so um, he he's not really gonna miss out as much as you think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know it's it's certainly important, and it's you know it's important for all positions. But he can um, he can he can catch up quick, and he'll be able to go out there for a couple of practices this spring. So I I just don't think Ole Miss has had a problem with it yet until you run into the problem. I don't know if the question we can really uh, dive into it too deep. Ben, do you think that um, you think if Ely is is healthy this year, he's starting in baseball or yes? Um, what what do you that? you think he's a starter? Yeah, center field, day one. I don't know if he stays there. I don't know if he can ever hit at this level. But let's be honest here: he's going into his draft eligible season in football. I don't know if he's ever going to play baseball at Ole Miss again. Do you? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that I, I still think he's potentially going to be playing baseball at some point. I think that, um, but that means I, I he's do, coming back for a senior year. Yeah. He's for sure coming back for a senior year. Oh, no, that's definitive. Now you really want to be that definitive. Yeah. Uh, mark it down today. He'll be back for a senior year. Cause listen, running backs coming out early. I mean, you know how good you have to be to come out early at running back. I mean, you, you come out early at running back, now you run the risk of going undrafted in, in, in a heartbeat. It's just not a position where you're going to meet me unless you are just that dude to go in the first round at running back now or even the second round, you have to be pretty darn good. So um, he's a good player. He's just not that dude yet. I mean, he's 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 got a long ways to go before he's a, a leave-early guy. Cam Akers was a leave-early guy, and he wasn't that dude, and he got taken in the second round. He just now blossomed, and that's because he got a huge opportunity. But it, um, you know, this it, it, I want to say it was late this past year where he finally started, um, you know, getting to actually be the guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's certainly he's certainly on the right path. And you got to think Cam Akers was a very highly recruited guy. So was Ely, but Cam Akers was way highly more highly recruited than than um, than Ely, and he's he's probably I would say a little bit faster too. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal on this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Tyler Wilson at Tyler Wilson 86. Do you expect any assistant coach changes this offseason for Kermit's staff? I don't. Dan at Dan F. Miller. Season one, Kermit took one NBA player and two fringe NBA talents and took them to the NCAA tournament before getting blown out in the first round. Season two fell flat. 
Season 3 started rough, but ended in a more positive trajectory. Which half of Season 3 represents the true state of the program? To start his tenure at Ole Miss, Kermit raced Ole Miss out to a 13-2 and start, 3-0 in the SEC. After that, they finished 7-9. and They were balanced in their only games in the SEC and NCAA tournaments. And actually, in all, since that start, they're 38-38 and overall and 23-28 and in the SEC. They're 3-10 and versus non-conference opponents ranked in the top 100 to Kempom. Their last win came over Penn State in November of 2019. So I don't know. The longer sample is what has been the record since the 13-2 and start, which is 38-38. and But the way they finished this year, winning eight of their final 11, I would put more stock into that, mainly because that's really hard to do. You start three and six, most teams fold up. They fold up shop, but they bounced back. And you might be wondering, well, what was the difference? Ole Miss was the last Power 5 school basketball program to get started this year because of the COVID, team-wide COVID outbreak. They didn't start till mid-December. They lost pretty much all of their non-conference schedule, including the Cayman Islands Classic and Memphis. That's what did them in. Ole Miss and Louisville are the only two programs, Power 5 programs, to win a combined seven Quad 1 and Quad 2 games and be left out of the NCAA tournament. Ole Miss got dinged fatally because of their lack of a non-conference schedule. So what that tells me is that had this year been normal, a normal season, get the full non-con, it wouldn't have taken them until SEC played a click. Same time period, but that's against UT Martin and Middle Tennessee State and all those teams, and then they become the team that they became at the end of the year. Yeah, they suffered some bad losses, but the SEC was tough. Vanderbilt was playing really good basketball at the end of the year. The Mississippi State loss at home was really bad. That was the worst one, in my opinion. Getting swept by Georgia? Yeah, that's tough. But I look at the way they finished and how they clicked. I believe in that more than what they were to start the year. They needed to gel. But those weeks came in late December and early January when you're trying to build your resume. That's a long way of saying I probably believe the second half of this season more than anything else. But I'm saying all that before we see what Kermit does in the spring. Brody Clayton at Brody Allen. Would you leave the rotation alone since only two runs were given up by our starters this weekend against one of the better offenses in the nation? Have Doug as a guy in the pen who could give you long relief, especially if one of them got hit around early. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, no. Doug Nikhazy is a weekend starter. He's more than proven that. He was dominant his second half of the freshman year, dominant last year. You trust the stats on the back of the bubblegum card, right? Trust the stats on the baseball card. I'm going with Doug Nikhazy because Doug Nikhazy has been in those wars before. Drew McDaniels made one SEC start, two career starts. Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy with the track record, the All-American, the All-League caliber guy. That's the dude I'm going with. Yeah, if, if anything, yeah, if anything, I mean, yeah, Doug's a, <laughs> he's a very good starter. He's a very high draft pick. We're not putting him as a as a reliever. No way, no chance. He's a starter on the rotation. All right, Mac Vaughn at Mac Wheeler. Reasons on Buffin transfer, also expectations on the defensive line this fall with added players and a new coach. I'll do the basketball one. I'll leave the football one to Brad. It was all off the court stuff, most all of which I can't really discuss. It's not my place. The bottom line is both sides were exhausted from it all. They both felt like it was time for a change. Now, Ole Miss wasn't expecting him to leave prematurely, but they still weren't factoring him into their plans for next year. There wasn't and isn't any animosity for both sides. It was just time. That's the way it was explained to me. It was just time. Both sides were ready to split apart and move on. Premature, yes, but this was always going to be the result. And you might say, bullshit. I promise you, That was always the plan. Now, the plan was not for him to opt out of the NIT, but he wasn't going to be a member of Ole Miss basketball next year. Now to the second part about football and the defensive line. Expectations on the defensive line this fall with added players and a new coach, Brad. I would say say we certainly expect them to be much improved. We added some JUCO guys, a couple JUCO guys, and then um, we had, like I said, we had some some seniors returning, um, you know, that that, that could have probably left. So I think that that'll be a group that – you know, they'll have a lot to learn from on film. I think the coaches will be pretty hard on them. They'll have a chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, quite possibly last year, maybe one of the worst D lines I've ever seen Ole Miss have. 
So yeah, a lot of the guys coming back with some added guys, I think that they'll have something to prove. And I, I think you're going to see a, a better, a better D line. I really do. I think they're going to be a lot better. I think you're, um, if they're not, I'd be shocked, but, um, you know, there, there's nowhere to go, but up for that D line. Blake McKinley at McKinley underscore Blake. If you could add any former player to this baseball team, who would it be? What are realistic expectations for Grove Bowl weekend and best place to eat in Oxford? Any former player to add to this baseball team, Brett? Um, what, what would you say? I, I, don't, I don't think I'd do a pitcher. I think I would just do a solid, some solid hitter. Maybe a, um, I don't know. Who do we need? We need We need a guy right in the middle of the line. Chris Coughlin. Yeah, yeah, I get, that's an obvious one. Um, the best bat possible, Chris Coglin. Yeah, Coglin Cog- would be a solid one. Cozart, maybe. <laughs> it's Coglin. Give me the very best bat. You could say Stephen Head, maybe. J.B. Woodman, Cody Overbeck, Thomas Dillard. Whichever guy you think is the best bat available, that's who it would be for me. And for me, that's Chris Coglin. I'm actually going Do- Thomas Dillard. I think he'd fit really good in this lineup. Oh, yeah. He'd look really good in this lineup. <laughs> Uh, what are realistic expectations for Grove Bowl weekend? Are we talking about fans? Because I think it's going to be packed. If this weekend at Swayze told us anything, Ole Miss fans are starving to be at Ole Miss athletics events. I, I said it on a podcast before. I think that I think this I think the Grove Bowl weekend will be absolutely slammed. People are going to come out. They want to see Lane Kiffin. They want to see the um you know they know we're gonna have a good team they've been a lot of people haven't been to a football game so this is like their first football game most people took the grow ball for granted because they go through a whole season you know they get to enjoy the games well shoot some of these people that have missed games that haven't missed in years um you know so that i i think that you're gonna have a a a large number of people come out to that game and the last one from blake best place to eat in oxford Best place to eat in Oxford. I and I really enjoy the um, the, the Oxford Grill House. That's probably my my go to. Um, I will say I will say I did have McEwen's. I think it was a couple week couple weekends ago, and that was that was really good. And then I'd say the Sip. I probably those are my top three. Snack bar, Lenora's, Blind Pig. We haven't even brought up the obvious one, Ajax. Yeah, Ajax is. I mean, people know that's that's just a staple. That's 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 like that's like an Obies or a, I don't know who else. What else is just like no Bure. I mean, th- those places. You those are just solid meals, regardless. Yeah, but. don't you just have to say Ajax when somebody says, "Okay, I'm coming into Oxford for one meal. Where do I eat?" You tell them to go to Ajax. I always say, I always say Bure. I think Bure is a good rep- representation of the town, and um, that's like a good first meal to have in Oxford. They messed up the one thing I love the most, though. They had a Philly cheesesteak that was awesome. Then they changed it. But Burrow is still really good. Jody Kitchens, if JRP returns and if he makes the move to wide receiver, how big of a setback, Brad, will it be for him missing spring practices while playing baseball? Um, I don't think it'll be huge. I mean, I, I think that the, he John Rice has one thing that, that you can't teach, and that's speed and explosiveness. So, um, you know, would it help if he was out there in, in spring football? Yeah, I mean, it would, but – you got to think after spring football, they get a huge break. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of gains you make in spring, like some people, some people are kind of start over in camp. I mean, you almost feel as rusty when you go back to camp. So it would, it would certainly help them. But I think that there's so much time in, in a college camp and, um, you know, there, there's a lot of time in the day during camp where he can do a lot of extra. So he'll be up to speed fast. They'll have a ton of scrimmages, a ton of, a ton of live action in camp. Um, I don't think it's going to kill him. I think he'll, he'll be just fine. Especially, I think what was huge is that he did play it versus in an actual game or bowl, a big game. He got some game experience now. So he kind of, he kind of has something to refer to in his mind whenever he's thinking of situations. So I think that, I think he'll be fine. Der tie at a true rebel underscore 99, AK the new head coach for Florida when they eventually get rid of Mikey White. They're not getting rid of Mike White. He's won over 60% of his games. Do you know what Florida basketball was like before Billy Donovan? It sucked. It's impossible to live up to that standard. But winning 60% of your games? And this year, took them to the NCAA tournament without their best player. He almost died. He fell on the court and almost died. And they still went on to the NCAA tournament. They're not getting rid of Mike White. Blue collar, comma hard nose at hard nose fifteen. Do you think Kermit has to get something done next year? Or he's gone. No. And in that scenario, who would you see as a candidate? Mike White, possibly, or would that even intrigue you? Mike White's not coming back to Ole Miss. Kermit Davis is not going to be gone after next year. Ole Miss cannot get in the business of hiring and firing coaches in basketball. Ole Miss already 
is considered one of, if not the worst, Power Five jobs in college basketball because of not only the expectations, but the lack of commitment towards the program with those expectations. You cannot, as Ole Miss, get into the business of hiring and firing good coaches. The best course of action is for Kermit Davis to win. And for you as an Ole Miss fan, to support that in any way you can. I think he's got at least five years, and he should. We don't even know what college basketball is going to look like this time next year. The entire game has changed. And if you're Ole Miss, you really think that you can fire Kermit Davis and go hire who? Tom Crean didn't want your job. Thad Mata used your job just because he wanted to keep getting paid in retirement. He was never taking your job. There were many coaches that had no interest whatsoever in your job. The best scenario is Kermit Davis winning. Full stop. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Oh, hold on. One more. Land Shark Rebel at Colonel Rebel. When will Ole Miss baseball be the first ones to switch to a wooden bat? Maybe then we would have more American-born players be major league ready when they get drafted. Never Ever is college baseball getting away from metal bats? They're not going to wooden. That's what summer leagues for. They go practice with wooden bats in the North Woods. <laughs> so that's just that's funny where some people's mindset go. I mean, it, it's a bat. I mean, uh, the, bait, the 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 metal bat is is what makes college baseball fun, in my opinion. The ding of the aluminum, ding! It's college baseball. No that's doubt. That's what minor league baseball's for: development with a wooden bat, and also in summer league ball. Can you imagine an Ole Miss Atari team saying, you know what, uh, I, I want some more American-born players. I think a wooden bat's going to help. They're, they go play an SEC schedule with a wooden bat while everybody else is hitting a, um, you know, a freaking Louisville slugger or whatever. You know what? <laughs> We're a perennial top 10 team. We're going to give ourselves an immediate disadvantage with a wooden bat just because, you know what, we want to be the first. <laughs> no chance. No, we'll leave that to, to some of the other schools. <laughs> If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions, and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Back on Thursday. Don't know who the guest is going to be, but working on a couple of options. Back then. See you then, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy.